and I had my birth plan all written out and it was nothing crazy. I had, you know, the skin to skin and delayed cord clamping, just the kind of normal things that people want. And uh, she looked at it, she tossed it aside and she was like, oh yeah, some of those things we already do, but you're just going to get the epidural anyway. So just like, don't be a hero. And what? Yeah. I was one of those people that heard that from my OB. Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Your care provider. When you think of the person who will be attending your birth, what adjectives come to mind? Do you feel at peace, comforted and cared for, or do you feel bullied, manipulated and belittled? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 99 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and I cannot believe this is our final double-digit podcast episode. We're going to be hitting 100 just next week, and I hope that you're planning on joining in on the celebration. If Happy Home Birth has been beneficial to you in any way, would you mind going to speakpipe.com forward slash happy home birth and leaving us a brief message, just letting us know how? I'd love to be able to incorporate that into next week's podcast episode. So do that as soon as you get a chance. Now on to some more super exciting news. I'd love to share with you that if you are a client to a midwife that you love, or you're a previous client to a midwife that you love or other care provider that works with home birth moms, I'd love for you to share the fact that Happy Home Birth Academy, my childbirth education program made specifically for home birth mothers, is now available as an affiliate program for your care provider. So she can get in on the Happy Home Birth Academy goodness and share it with all of her clients so that more and more mothers have access to this home birth friendly childbirth education program. And to sweeten the deal for you, if you will take a screenshot of you sending your midwife this message, whether it's an email or a text message, and letting her know about the affiliate program, You'll be entered into a drawing that will happen monthly to win either a Happy Home Birth t-shirt or an Amazon gift card, whichever you so prefer, and she will gain the information that she needs to be able to share Happy Home Birth Academy with all of her clients. So all you have to do is send her a message letting her know that, hey, Happy Home Birth Academy has an affiliate program for care providers, and you can earn passive income by sharing the program. Just go to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash affiliate. Send that to your midwife. Take a screenshot. You do not have to share her contact information. Just take a screenshot of the email or the text message without her contact information and send it to me at caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com. In the subject line, you can put midwife message and that way I'll know to enter you into the drawing. Sound good? 
Shout out to Renee Barr, Jesse Mays, and Tori Smith for already sharing Happy Home Birth Academy with their midwives. All right, let's get back to the fantastic episode with Hannah. And Hannah has experienced both ends of the previously mentioned spectrum, obstetrical bullying, and then amazing care with a midwife. And I'm so happy to have her on today's episode to share with you just how difficult and then how beautiful birth can be. Let's dive in. Please remember that the opinions of my guest may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa, and neither one of us are medical professionals, so continue to see your doctor, your midwife, or if you're like me, your chiropractor. Hannah, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to. I would love for you to start by introducing yourself to the listeners, if you wouldn't mind. Sure. It's pretty concise. My name is Hannah. I'm married to Andy. We live in South Carolina and we have two children. It's actually my oldest birthday today. He's three. Oh, happy birthday to him. Yeah. So this comes at a perfect time because I've been, you know, dwelling on his way into the world and what he's brought into our family. So it's kind of like a commemoration maybe. Oh, that's perfect. I love that. Well, let's start there. I know that you've got two births to talk about, um, but what was that first pregnancy and birthing experience like? Did you, what were your plans, I guess, before you got pregnant um, when it comes to having children? So a lot of the listeners are probably kind of in the crunchy world in some way. Um, and I feel like I kind of stepped into that world just a little bit with him and I wasn't fully immersed yet. So I knew of one option in the area, which was a birth center with midwives that was connected to the hospital. And my cousin had used them and had a great experience. And so I was really excited to reach out to them. And uh, the, the kicker was that they did not take my insurance. I actually had two insurance companies that covered me under Obamacare. I was still covered with my family. They couldn't boot me off their plan. And then with my husband as well. And they did not take my insurance. And there was also just that little voice in my head, um, my mom, as it were, <laughs> who had actually said, oh, Hannah, I'm so excited for you. You're not going to have to pay anything for your birth because your insurance is going to cover it. And she was so excited because she thought, oh, yeah, you're not going to have to pay anything. So I had my mom's voice in my head that my birth was going to be covered if I could use both insurance companies. And so I just went with a regular OB practice in the area. And um, I had a perfect pregnancy with him. So around 30 weeks when I heard that they were taking, that the birth center was taking a um, my insurance of so Blue Cross Blue Shield, I reached out to them and I was like, hey, the baby's head down. I've not had any issues up until this point. I don't even have like group strep B. And um, she, <clears throat> she basically, the head midwife was like, yeah, we're not going to take you. And I was crushed obviously because um, that was, you know, what I really wanted, um, but I didn't know how to fight for that. So I just kind of went back to the OB practice. And um, the first like biggest red flag that I had with the OB practice um, that should have like just made me run. And I see this comment a lot from people um, when they have an issue with their provider um, and they're saying, well, I don't feel like I have any other options. I, I feel like this is a time when you need to, <laughs> to make other options um, available to yourself if you really want a specific birth um, that for yourself and your family. So I was like 37-ish weeks with um, Frederick and I went into my OB and I had my birth plan all written out and it was nothing crazy. 
I had, you know, the skin to skin and delayed cord clamping, just the kind of normal things that people want. And uh, she looked at it, she tossed it aside and she was like, oh yeah, some of those things we already do, but you're just going to get the bitterol anyway. So just like, don't be a hero. And what? Yeah, I was one of those people that heard that from my OB. Um, and granted, this was the very first time I'd heard from her. Maybe she was having a ridiculously bad day. I don't know. Um, I'm so glad I didn't get her for my delivery. I think I literally would have walked out <laughs> if I saw that she was on call. So that's one of those moments where, you know, anyone who hears that sort of bullying, and I'm going to call it a bullying moment, um, because like you're paying them and, and they're like basically working for you. And obviously you should work with your provider and make wise decisions medically. But there was no reason for her to tell me that I was just going to end up with the epidural. That wasn't medical advice. That was her personal opinion. And so I should have run from that, but I didn't. And I chose to stay with the practice, um, not knowing at the time that there were um, separate midwives in the area that practiced individually. Um, and so I went into the birth and we were actually camping. I was 40 weeks pregnant and I wanted something to look forward to because I had convinced myself I was going to go to 41 weeks. It didn't everybody. And so I was like, you know what? I want to go camping and I'm going to put this on the calendar so that I am not miserable. And my first contraction started when I was asleep in my tent. So, um, <laughs> but I was in denial because I felt my contractions in my back and, um, I kind of like grinned and bear it, bore it, whatever the word is, for most of the day. And then finally, my husband noticed my pinched face. So I was like, Hannah, uh, should we go home now? <laughs> so we come home, we labor. I'm in the shower about midnight that night. And um, my husband's timing my contractions. He feels like that's pretty much the only thing he can do. I remember in your podcast, you and your husband were talking about how the second time around, you prepared him better. Mm -hmm. I'm remembering that correctly. Yep. Yep. So the first time I, I'm not even sure how to have prepared him better. You know, it's your first experience. It's his first experience. I mean, so the poor man, he just was seeing me and I was uncomfortable and he just didn't know what to do. And then the, the birth class that we had taken had mentioned the um, hip com the, the hip compressions, and mm -hmm. I hated them because of my back labor. I don't know what was happening, but every time he tried to do them, it, it just made it worse. So he was just kind of sitting there, and he didn't know how to help. So anyway, uh, he's like, they're really close together, and they're really long. I think we should go to the hospital. And I was like, I don't really feel like I'm even close to transition yet. Can we just stay? And he was so nervous. And so we didn't end up going. And they checked me when I got there because, of course, they have to know what you are um, before they can admit you. And I was a cool four after, you know, who knows, like 12 hours of labor, which was like, I don't know if you've ever had, you know, a cervical check and you're not where you want to be. <laughs> it's not so. Fun. It's not. No. Mm -mm. So I tried to stay positive, even though I was like throwing up. I'd thrown up on the car ride over. I was just like, okay, I can do this. Like trying to just tell myself all the positive stuff. And I, we get into the room. I get a head lock because I want to be able to move. And I get in the tub and then I switch to the shower. And I'm doing this for several hours. And um, at, at one point, the only thing that I could manage was standing in the shower, swaying back and forth because 
I was still having horrible back labor. And a nurse walks in and was like, honey, you really should sleep. Um, And I just knew in my heart that if I got out of this shower, I was going to end up, you know, in a very bad place. And sure enough, I get out and I cannot manage it um, without the, the water. But at this point, I'm exhausted. I've been up for 48 hours. And so... <clears throat> Uh, at this point, they checked me again, and I'd only gone one centimeter in like four or five hours, and I felt completely defeated. My poor husband just wanted <laughs> wanted it to stop. You know, they sometimes when men don't understand what labor entails, they just see their 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 wife in pain, and they just want it to end. And so I think you know he wasn't going to be the person who was like, "No, Hannah, you wanted to do this without an epidural," and. There was no one else like a doula. I again said to myself, oh, you can't. Financially, you shouldn't get a doula. That doesn't make sense. And mm-hmm. it does. If anyone's listening and you're a first-time mom especially, please reach out to a local doula. They could be invaluable for your experience. Um, and I think that's one of the like things that I just went horribly wrong with was not hiring a doula. Someone who knew and was in my corner um, to just help me through this experience. So anyway, I ended up with the epidural and then several hours later, the Pitocin, and then they broke my water and two hours of purple pushing and he was here. And um, thankfully there was, you know, no threat of a C-section. There wasn't forceps, you know, sometimes people really have this intense intervention in their labor. And looking back, I'm so thankful that those weren't a part of my story. Um, Because in South Carolina, you're not allowed to home birth um, if you had a prior C-section. So that would have been off the table for me. Um, So thankfully, for the most part, it could have gone a lot worse. But as it was, that was incredible trauma for me. And it was months of trying to process and um, just crying through that experience because it was not what I wanted. Um, it wasn't even close to what I wanted. I know birth doesn't go to according to plan, but, um, this wasn't even like, <laughs> oh my goodness. Yep. It was just something I definitely had to work through. So when we got pregnant with my daughter, um, I was still in that holding place of not even sure that I wanted to do this again, even though I love children. I think I want like five kids. Um, but there was just, so much healing to go through. And then on top of that, the the experience that I had kept me from thinking, would I be able to do it a second time? You know, even though you tell yourself all these positive things and you reach out to the correct provider and you fill your mind with books and videos, there's still, at least for me, there was that small little voice like, well, you couldn't do it the first time. Are you sure you can the second? Um, so, I would say for my biggest takeaway from having a home birth was that um, I chose a midwife, an independent midwife who had a birth center. At the time, we were going to do a birth center birth, um, and she was perfect, Um, and she aligned with everything. I didn't feel like I had to sit there and not that I argued with the OB, but I sat there and felt like we were totally on opposite pages, like we were not together. But with Linda, it was like we were on the same page. I didn't have to explain my decisions. I didn't have to worry about her doing something that I was not on board with. Um, I trusted her completely. And so I would 100% say that your birth experience is, um, I don't want to say controlled by your provider, but they have a big say in how it goes, unfortunately. And so 
going back to my OB and her comment of just get the epidural, you're not a hero. A lot of OBs have never seen natural birth, unfortunately. And I heard this from my doula too. She's just, she's, she's been around so many doctors who just haven't seen it happen naturally that they don't even know how to let it happen naturally. And so, um, changing providers to my midwife 100% made it successful. Without her, if I'd gone back to an OB, I think that I probably would have ended up in the same boat, you know? Um, So if you are thinking, I can't afford a home birth, I can't afford a birth center, Um, my insurance doesn't cover it, you know, any one of those reasons, and I see this a lot on the internet with comments from people, um, because now I'm in all the birth groups. is that it's it's probably cheaper than you think it's going to be. Um, my hospital birth actually ended up being way more expensive than my home birth. Um, and that's such an unfortunate statement to make because, you know, technically people think insurance is the end all be all like, oh, look, it's going to, you know, cover us completely or, you know, we don't have to worry. But insurance companies are out to make money and they don't care about you. Um, so if that is holding you back, please, please, please don't let it hold you back and reach out to a local midwife or, you know, a birth center and just ask, they might have a payment plan. Um, they might, uh, take money off if you pay in cash. Um, something that I've encouraged some of my friends who want to, but feel like they can't financially is just start putting money away now, like $10 a month, just put it in a jar and be like, this is for the next time you get pregnant. So that when you get to that point that you're pregnant, you already have like a little stash. So you're not worried about finances. Um, But it is so, so worth it to line up with a provider who is in your corner, who agrees with your birth choices and who is just, who is going to be part of that story and not someone who you're going to have to kind of wrestle with and who you're going to have to, when you step foot in the hospital, feel on the defensive. Um, So with my daughter, I read even more books and I, uh, watched a crazy amount of more natural labor. Um, and I just tried to stay as positive as possible about my experience and what I wanted, just imagining what the birth would be like. And then a ton of time also talking to my husband about it because I realized with my son, I really needed his support. Um, I needed that emotional connection. Um, we ended up getting a doula the second time just because I told my husband, like, I'm doing everything in my power to make sure this is a successful birth. And I do not want to look back and say, well, if only I'd had a doula. Um, she actually told me later, I feel like I doulaed your husband more than I doulaed you. I was like, you know, pushing his glasses up and giving him water. And <laughs> that's exactly what she wanted. Cause when we met together, she basically was like my favorite births are when I am sitting in the corner knitting, because that means you and your partner are doing the work to bring this baby earthside. You don't need me. And I was like, wow, that is powerful. Like, that's what I want. Like, I want someone confident enough in me to be like, I'm going to be sitting in the corner knitting. She wasn't knitting, but um, that was uh, something else I did was getting a doula, um, preparing my husband. So um, I had prodromal for several weeks and I, um, this, this, the end of the pregnancy was a lot harder than it was the first time. And so I was trying to stay positive. So the last week I was pregnant, I packed up my son every day and we just ran the earth because if I was home with him, I was just frustrated. He's most energetic child I have met yet. Okay, no, there's one other. My other friend has her son who's he's something else too. So it was just better that we get out. And so I was actually at a friend's on the day that I technically went into labor. And 
I got home and I was like, you know, these feel a little different, but this can't be it. It's my due date. Like who goes on their due date? This is nuts. So I just started making dinner and then I um, decided to time them. And I was like, oh, these are a little closer together than I thought. Hmm. Okay. So I just started continuing to time them because I wanted to send some tangible evidence to my midwife. And around 630, I was like, okay, I don't think these are going away. So I went upstairs, I snuggled my son, I gulped a bunch of water because I knew everyone's going to ask, well, maybe it's false labor. Did you drink water, lay on your side, take a shower? And so I did all those things. And then finally we reached out and we we're like, hey, here's our rat. And um, Andy's mom came and got our son so that we could be just solely focused on um, the labor and the birth. And um, I was just all the meanwhile, just trying to stay positive about what I wanted. But the, the biggest difference this time versus my hospital birth was I felt completely secure. Um, I wasn't going to have to leave my house. I was, I was just, I was safe. And I knew the people coming here were safe. And I think your psyche needs that. Your psyche needs to know that you're safe, that the, the tales of people like going into the hospital and then not being in labor anymore. I mean, wild, but that fight or flight mode, you know? And so I could tell that I was feeling good. Okay. And contractions were going well. And so my doula shows up as, you know, Andy and I are sitting on the birth ball and he's giving me some hip compressions and we're kind of joking and she can tell, you know, okay, hey, maybe we need to talk some th through some things. So she asked me, like, what's holding you back? And at the time, the thing that was holding me back was just worried that I was going to have another 30-hour labor. Um, so far, so good with the back labor. I felt it all in my stomach, so I was really excited about that. But um, just trying to stay focused and positive and, like, will this baby out faster rather than slower. And so once I kind of, like, verbalized that, she was like, okay, what's out in the open? It's there. Let's just move past it now. <laughs> so I get in the shower, and um, I'm just, you know, breathing through contractions, and I hear the midwife come in. It's probably midnight at this point. And um, I, I, I feel tense all of a sudden, and I was like, Hannah, this is so silly. Like, you love Linda. You know Linda. You know that she is on your side she's in your corner she wants you to have an amazing birth but I spent probably about 30 minutes in the bathroom just like talking myself out of this anxiety attack I was having and so finally I was like okay I think we're good so I walk out of the bathroom and I immediately just need to like drop to all fours I am like throwing up and I feel my body pushing and everybody's like on alert. Oh yeah, there's a baby. This is great. Um, and this is one of those moments where I wonder if like I literally stopped my body from having a baby. <laughs> if I just wasn't ready. If I was like, wait, what? Um, because there was no baby. And so soon thereafter I got in the tub and my husband has been giving me like hip compressions for seven hours straight. <laughs> Afterwards he goes, man, I'm tired. And I look at him like, I believe you, but seriously, you're going to say that right now? Uh, he's a gem. Anyway, uh, he really did an amazing job. I mean, I, he was exactly what I needed with this labor. He emotionally was there and connected. He was physically there and connected. He um, was working with me to just, you know, ride these contractions out. And um, it was like just, he was an amazing doula. And I didn't have to pay him. So. <laughs> so nice. I know, right? So, um the hard work of preparing him for what I was sure I needed and what I think I wanted him to know for the labor paid off. 
Mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm in, in the tub and um, there's moments of clarity where I'm thinking to myself, okay, so if I get out of this tub and I go in the car and I drive to the hospital, I think I'll die. But you know what? The epidural sounds really nice right now. And <sighs> looking back, I probably would have given up if I hadn't had anyone in my corner or anyone saying, no, you can do this. If someone had just kind of been like, here's a teaser, you want it? Like, I'll throw you a bone. Um, Cause definitely I was, I was feeling it like, yeah, just make it go away. And so that was kind of a moment. I was like, oh, good. We're getting closer. This is, I want to give up. So this, this has to mean I'm getting closer. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the, the thought of um, the pain just kind of, I know my doula, bless her. She um, has two home births and she's a big proponent for it not feeling painful. And um, I've had people laugh at me, my pastor's wife, bless her. She also was like, um, that's not possible. But I kept reminding myself um, of something from one of my favorite books um, about uh, childbirth and, and pain. And um, it's Childbirth Without Fear by Grant Lee Dick Reed. And it's written in this older style because he practiced a long time ago. But um, he just has so much in that book, just nuggets of information. But one of them that I clung to was that in the Bible, it says that Adam and his seed has to work hard. They have to toil. And um, in the English version, it says women will have pain in childbirth. But if you actually look at both of those words and the etymology and where they came from, the word is actually the exact same. They both mean work hard. There is nowhere in the Bible where it can translate to pain, but for some reason it means pain. I actually, I've, I'm not quite sure because I haven't done a total dive into this, but there was one book I was reading where it kind of started with the Catholic church. For some reason, they did not want women to birth naturally. I don't know. I can't remember all the details, but basically like they thought it was sacrilegious. And so they at one point were like basically cutting babies out of women because of their horrible practice that they wanted to put into play. Um, so we come from a natural midwifery model of care and birth is natural and um, at some point there were women in um, Reed's life that he went to um, catch the baby and he noted that they didn't feel pain and he would ask them and they would say well no is it supposed to be painful and he remember it stuck with him like wait this woman doesn't think it's supposed to be painful oh, okay, but in the hospitals, you see these women writhing in pain. Like, what's the difference? And his um, assertion is that it's hard work. It's uncomfortable at times, but is it painful? Um, Mm -hmm. Truly painful, or is this something that we've programmed into our brains to believe? Um, So for my third birth, I'm really excited to see if I feel, because I will say my second one was painful. I did feel pain. And I wonder how much of that was just me projecting that onto it um, and just expecting that or, you know, or what. But I'm curious to see with the next one, if like I've come to understand even more about childbirth and, and feeling successful and, and, and reaching a goal of unmedicated birth with my daughter, if I will have a, a pleasant experience, so to speak. Um, I love that. 
right? Um, the one thing that I always chuckle at is people who say, oh, it, it was kind of like um, euphoric for me. Like it felt good. And I was like, man, I don't know like how you achieved that, but uh, I'll take it, please. Um, <laughs> so uh, just reminding myself in those moments that, okay, just relax, open your body. I'm sure many women before has said that about just working with your body. Um, but there were moments where I was thinking that if I got out of this water, I would die. So, you know, <laughs> the water was very important. Um, yeah. Right. So that, that, that's, a, that can be a big, I mean, for some people, obviously, like, I don't know. I just always think about how, when I don't feel well, I gravitate to the water and not that labor is anything like being sick, but it does provide that same kind of comfort experience for both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and there's reasons why people have studied the effect of water on women in labor and why it is effective. Um, so, I mean, it is definitely one of those things that if it's within your power to utilize, I mean, do it. Although I do have a few friends who hated doing that and they would rather just be on their feet on the ground, which doesn't make sense to me, but if it works, do it. <laughs> so, um, Finally, about uh, probably three-ish, my midwife is like, you know, I'd really love to do a full check. Um, And at the time she was asking because, again, for the second time, everybody was like kind of just like ready to catch a baby because I was making all the right noises. I was doing all the right things and there was no baby. (laughs) And my midwife's like, what is going on? So she asked me to get out of the water and she texts me and she's like, hey, you're a 10, like you're faced, like... Do you what, what do you want to start to get this baby out? <laughs> and I love that because I feel like so many other people, like, well, with my hospital birth, the nurse was in there. She's like, you're almost a 10. Okay, I'm going to start stretching you out. I'm going to start like, okay, let's give some pushes. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this experience is totally different. And so the vivid memory that I have is I'm laying there and she just told me that I could push if I felt so led. And all of a sudden my daughter is like literally trying to kick her way out of my abdomen. It was very strange. It was, I don't know if anybody else ever experiences this, but like the, the motion that she was doing and like the force with which she was doing it was incredibly weird. I remember like contorting my body, like what is going on? Like, why is she doing this? And my husband was like, push, push her out. And I was like, but it's so uncomfortable. Linda asked me if I'd like to get back in the water. And I was really excited about that because, you know, water has been my saving grace. So I got back in the water and um, I was on my knees and my husband was by my head and we were kind of each other's necks. And time was kind of a blur. And this is why I go back to the pain aspect because for the first time, in the last like six or seven hours, nobody was giving me hip compressions and it wasn't hurting. I was having contractions, but like, it was just peaceful. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And I wonder if I was at that moment because I realized I had done it. I'd done the majority of the work. I was at a 10. I was so close. I was like, my husband was worried that I was tired and going to be unable to push the baby out. So he was mad when I got back in the water. Um, he hid that, thankfully. He, he told me later and I was like, really? Because I was rejuvenated. I was like, are you kidding me? I made it? Like, yes. And so I um, was not at all worried about pushing her out. And interestingly enough, um, pushing her out was a pleasant experience for me. I, sometimes people talk about the ring of fire. I didn't feel that. Um, and within, you know, about 20 minutes, 10 minutes of earnest pushing, she was out. And I, 
I'm sure anyone who's had a home birth or a birth center birth um, can tell you like just the birth pause that comes after and just the immense feelings of overwhelming thankfulness, but also just, I, I'm getting chills talking about it, but um, in that moment, if you'd asked me, would you do this again? I would say yes, it, which is weird. I just pushed a baby out. Nobody would say yes, but I, it was the most incredible experience. And I, I was just taken aback with all of the feelings that were there at once, even though I looked exhausted, but I, I was thinking about how with my son, I didn't feel anything. Um, you know, when I watch his birth video, I'm thankful I have it because I don't know that I would have memories without it. Um, cause I was so tired and drugged, but in the video, like you can see, like my face is just blank. Like I have nothing left to give. And, um, thankfully that didn't affect long-term connection with him. But, um, with her, I just immediately felt so many things all at once. And I know that there's science behind why, because, you know, when you do it all naturally, there's these just rush of all kinds of endorphins and, um, doing that was just such an incredible experience and unfortunately I've had people ask me oh did you do it because you're good in middle and I was like no it's yes I'm I'm very proud of what I did but I did it because it was for the health of my child and myself <laughs> um, for me looking into um, the effects that an epidural or Pitocin could have on the baby, knowing someone who had a CSF leak because of her epidural and like watching her just agonize through that and trying to overcome that. There are, there are legitimate reasons why those two things could be harmful for you. And for me, it was really about the health, but also about feeling in charge of my labor and not like I was being managed. I remember feeling very managed with my first birth. Nurses came in, the doctor would come in. There really wasn't like, you know, request of me for, you know, hey, can I do a cervical check or hey, can I do X? Like it was just like stuff was happening to me. And um, I think you had two uh, unmedicated births and I don't think they were in the hospital, right? Me? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I had two home births. Yeah. So just the feeling of something happening to you is so crippling. Um, and you feel like an utter failure for not sticking up for yourself, but you've also been in labor. So, you know, like there's a point in time where like you really cannot take your mental focus off of riding through the contractions to try and have this like meaningful conversation slash like mm -hmm. sticking up for yourself um, exactly. with your doctor. And um, I know that I, I feel like I have so many caveats sometimes when I talk to people because I, I do have several friends who've chosen to continue birthing in the hospital and they feel like that was their best option. And that I never want to make anyone feel less than for their choices. I always say, if you know your choice and you have all the information in front of you and you choose it and you don't feel like it's happening to you and you're happy with that, then that is the most important thing at the, it's at the top of the list. Like that's, as long as you feel in charge of your birth experiences, um, then, then that is my main goal. But obviously I'm a big proponent for home birth, um, because you know, it, my ideologies are that 
your body was made to do this and you were given the tools to birth this baby and if you've had an uncomplicated pregnancy and your midwife or your doctor has no inkling of something going wrong then really the the standard practice should be to hand, be hands off um mm-hmm. again another caveat because i know my friend she's had three complicated pregnancies two babies came well actually all three of them came early so she has a lot of fear about what would happen if i had a home birth and something went wrong and i know you see a lot of those comments from women that their husbands have brought up their husbands will ask well what if there's an emergency and um I always like to say, well, you know, my daughter actually had secondary apnea. And the coolest experience was that my midwife gently said, Hannah, can you stand up? We're going to cut the cord. We're just going to take the baby for a minute. And it was all very gentle. They went over and they were doing their thing to get her to start breathing again. But in the hospital, I remember when my son came out, they handed him to me after like parading him around, like, you know, the Lion King. <laughs> It was so annoying to me. I was like, it's not, what? it's not funny, but that was great wording. <laughs> I mean, it's, it was I, in the video. I remember like thinking like, what is going on? Like, why are you doing this? Just hand me my child. It's my baby. But she's acting like this is, oh, look, my prize. I did it. And I'm like, you did nothing. Oh lady. You pulled this baby out. Anyway, so I get him and I realize he's just fine. He's perfect. And he's breathing, he's happy, but these nurses are all over me, you know, rubbing him and doing all these things. And finally they whisk him away and they're like, oh, we need to get him to cry. And I remember being so mad, like, what, what, he's fine. Turns out he never cried for them. I mean, jokes on them. They were over there with him in the warmer, like patting his bottom, rubbing him down. He never cried. He just, and he's, he's Thanks, very ladies. laid back. I know, right, I was so mad. I was like, he was fine. He just didn't want to cry. Um, but with like, there was a legitimate reason for Linda to take Lucy over into the corner and get her to breathe, but it was just a way more gentle experience. And as soon as they got her to breathe, they brought her right back over and they weren't rubbing her down and trying to get the vernix off. They were like, mom and baby should be together. And they put her on my chest. And I was like, did you guys like, how is there such a discrepancy between care? Like how are doctors way over here? And how is a midwife way over here? And I just, sometimes I don't think people realize like the opposite spectrums that are out there when it comes to birth choices. Sometimes we're just flooded with what we know, which is standard care in the hospital and nobody questions that. And so I'm hoping that we can get to a point where people are questioning that, where we are reaching out to more midwives if you have an uncomplicated pregnancy and, and, and taking back birth, um, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And like I said before, there's obviously caveat people who need medical intervention, you know, for the sake of their child, obviously that is the, the, the best thing that you can do. And I'm not trying to make you feel less than if that is what you need to do. Um, but just the wild difference between the care throughout my pregnancy and then the labor and delivery, I just, it couldn't be more night and day, honestly. I just, until you've experienced both, which I don't really want you to experience both. I want you to continue mm-hmm. to have home births <laughs> and never have to like go through, you know, the cascade of interventions and feeling out of control. But it is just wildly different. And that's crazy to me. And I should make another caveat because I'm sure that there's some people listening who are like, but I love my doctor. Not all obstetricians are bad or even close to being bad. There are people out there, sure. doctors who, who really believe in the mother and child model of care and who are on board and like in your corner. They're just more rare than we would like. I think you've, those are such great points. And 
the I think one of the issues when we talk about OBs is that a lot of times we're not talking about individuals. We're talking about these kind of massive conglomerate practices where it's mm. like, all right, I've got 30 doctors. Maybe one yes. of them agrees with me, but what about the <sighs> other 29? So yep. so finding the consistency and care in the hospital and, and back to one other point that you made of like, you said, you know, when I was in the hospital, I it was really hard to advocate for myself. I was exhausted. I was in labor. Like, Mm -hmm. why am I having to have this conversation as well? And Mm. that would be the other thing that I, I really like to stress to moms is that yes, of course you can have a natural birth in the hospital. Of course that is a possibility, but it can come with a whole lot more fighting and a lot more mental exhaustion. Whereas how you discussed the home birth setting is set up for your success in that mm-hmm. way. They're not mm-hmm. viewing you as like trying to be a hero. They're viewing you as mm-hmm. a human being trying to bring your baby out. Like mm-hmm. this, this concept of like, oh, well, you're just, you know, you're just trying to show off. No, I'm trying <laughs> to, I'm trying to have a baby. Could you please be kind? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and just going, going back to the idea that I've heard so many labor and delivery nurses say they've never heard, like seen natural childbirth. They've never seen it play out. And I know that OBs are sued so much and they have so much to lose sometimes because it is having a baby and, and watching that baby be in distress or even God forbid die. Like that drives parents to insanity. And of course people, you know, want retribution for that, but, um, it, the problem is OBs don't see that when you have just, it's going along just fine, maybe not as fast as you want it to go, but it's going along just fine. When you introduce interventions is when you start to have more issues. Um, but that's just the standard of care now. Um, and I, I don't know if that's going to end anytime soon, but hopefully people will stop, you know, agreeing to that level of care and, and, and pushing for more if, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah. And I honestly don't think that that kind of change is going to just like overnight come from the hospitals and from the insurance companies, because as we mentioned, it's a a lot of it is related to insurance for both doctors Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, clients. And so I don't see it necessarily just automatically shifting one day. I think it comes for, it has to come from us. It has to come from the people making the decision of where they're going to give birth and with whom they're going to give birth. And the changes come from knowing the options. So just Mm -hmm. by you being on this podcast, just by you sharing your experience, especially sharing a comparison experience is telling other people, hey, you can do this too. You can either avoid this pitfall if you haven't had a baby yet, or you can, you know, with your next child, try something different. And that's how we get the word out is just mother to mother saying, look, this is a safe option. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's, that's the goal. I think that was of- my favorite actually was one of my friends. She and I were in the same 
birth class together and she was actually doing a birth center with the midwives and through various reasons ended up at the hospital but um I was actually the one she said later she was like actually you were the one who got me interested in home birth like you were the one who was talking about it and I started looking into it and I was like yes this is what I want to hear just knowing giving women the knowledge of options because with my first I didn't know and I just want more people to know does that make sense just just here no more just know all of the things (laughs) Come listen to me. Listen to me talk about this. <laughs> yeah, I totally, yeah. I'm right there with you, Hannah. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Hannah, thank you so much for sharing. You, you've just brought so many little nuggets of wisdom and such a beautiful redemptive story. And I just look forward to, to hearing how the rest of your journey unfolds. And I'm so grateful for you coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much. What an amazing episode as always. So as we head into this week's episode roundup, I've got a few thoughts for you. Number one, and perhaps most importantly, if your care provider is bullying you, fire them and run. Remember, they work for you. Remember, you are your own and your child's advocate. Number two, I want to bring back the discussion of pain versus toil. I love this concept and as I've said many times, I just don't consider childbirth painful. I know that this isn't the case for everyone and I love to hear all of the ways that others experience it. But toil, great work, certainly. Remember that so much of our experience is often unknowingly wrapped up in our own expectations. If we're expecting pain, well, pain we shall likely have. Coming into childbirth with an open mind and an arsenal of tools to provide comfort gives such a great chance at truly appreciating, if not downright enjoying, the experience. All right, my friends, that's it for episode 99 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you so much for listening in, and I can't wait to see you back here next week for episode 100. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.